What is up, everybody? I'm Raymond Summerlin. This is the Sharp Angles Podcast, the Sunday recap edition of the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am joined, as I am every single Sunday, by Curtis Hirsch and Tucker Bagley to discuss the the week that was. And we have a fun week, finally, y'all. And, you know, both of your teams had buys this week, so that was nice. Uh, the, the Eagles definitely on by, and Curtis's Cowboys just absolutely demolishing the Giants. Is that game even over yet, Curtis? I don't even think it's over, but I haven't paid attention to it. Uh, who cares, right? Like, it, it was over after yeah. the first half. It was one of those, let's just get on with this already. Is is Tony Pollard going to score a touchdown? No, and then let's just, let's move on. We do have a game still going on that's exciting. The, the Commanders just scored a touchdown and have an extra point attempt here to tie the game. We'll talk about that game a little bit later after it after it concludes. But if you're watching live on YouTube and you see me kind of darting my eyes over to uh, the right side of the screen, that is that is what I am doing. By the way, if you're not watching this live on YouTube, you can. You can come and watch us on YouTube every single Sunday at 7.30 Eastern on the Sharp Football Analysis YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Sharp Football. You'll find us. Subscribe and you'll get notified whenever we go live. And we go live a lot throughout the week. We're live on Wednesday nights to talk about Thursday Night Football Showdown. We're live twice on Thursday to talk about betting and fantasy and DFS. And then obviously we do this show as well. So a lot of content out there. Go to YouTube, search it up, and uh, and make sure you're you're paying attention to what we've got going. But we need to get started here with the same exact player that we talked about at the beginning of the show last week, Tucker. I know Curtis wasn't here. Curtis wasn't here last week. He was busy uh, sipping Mai Tais in, in Mexico. I hope you had a, I hope you had a good time doing that. But Tucker, we're in the exact same spot we were with CJ Stroud. I put it just in the notes, the legend grows. This is twice now, two weeks in a row that he's had this game-winning drive. And I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable. Like he's really playing better than, better than a rookie coming in. I can remember it a long time. Like I can't, I can't think of a rookie playing quarterback playing better than what he's been playing. Am I missing someone, Tucker? Like, this has really been special. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I know we're at the midway point of the season now, but for me, just think about how well he's done early on, right? Because we've seen quarterbacks kind of play well later on in the rookie season. Someone like RG3, you kind of think about, and the way he progressed as a rookie in Washington, and then we know how that ended. But you know, he really set himself up to look to be the future of that franchise. CJ Stroud, the fact that he's playing like this so early into his career and has really been playing like this for the last five or six weeks or so, it's just unbelievable. Like to the point now where you can have conversations about him now kind of being on the precipice of being a part of the MVP conversation. Now, part of that's because no one else has really separated themselves. But the fact that you can have that conversation and not necessarily laugh about it or, or say that's ridiculous and scoff at it, I, I just think is a, a huge thing for him in this franchise. I mean, just think about what the Texans looked like last year, and then you add this kid into the mix, and you know he had a really bad interception that, that kind of let Cincinnati back into the game, but I think it's even more impressive that he was able to fight back and he was able to lead them on that game-winning drive as time expired to set up that 38-yard that field goal to win the game. I mean, the kid just checks a new box every week. It's just unbelievable to watch him, and we said last week, and I'll say it again, like, we're not grading him like a rookie quarterback. Like he, he surpassed that, like whatever rubric or, or, you know, criteria you use for rookie quarterback, rip that sheet up and start grading him like, like a real professional NFL veteran quarterback, because he's playing like a top 10, top five quarterback in the NFL right now. What glad you mentioned the MVP race. Cause we actually had a, a tweet go out from our, from our Twitter asking about, 
know, who's your NFL MVP right now? Lamar Jackson's not on this list, which I know they lost today. We'll get to that in a second, but I'm Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson should have been on this list. I voted other for that. But if you look at the votes, uh, Stroud ended up with 41.9% of the votes, like people and people are really getting into CJ Stroud, maybe not even just being offensive rookie of the year, making a push for MVP. And yeah, Curtis, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to strongly disagree with that at this point, especially after what we've seen the last two weeks. Yeah, like what he did this afternoon, that was against Lou Amarillo, Amarumo's defense that has made Patrick Mahomes struggle over at times. And he doesn't have a Travis Kelsey. He's thrown the ball to Noah Brown today and absolutely came up huge after making a, a big mistake. And he led another game-winning drive. It's unbelievable what the kid is doing. MVP, it's a good story. Is he the MVP? Probably not, but it's still a hell of a story. And I'm I'm putting him ahead of Trevor Lawrence moving forward in my quarterback rankings because he he's shown what he's got so far. And Lawrence seems to be going the other way. So uh that's gonna be very interesting to see how that division plays out the rest of the way because that they're hot. And if they continue to throw the ball like they are now. I, I think they win a few more games earlier in the season if they got rid of the run game a little quicker than they did. But yeah, fun story. Yeah. First of all, to that run game, they it was actually able to work against the Bengals, which that might that's more surprising than anything else coming uh, out of this game. Everybody can run against the Bengals, though. That's that's the one thing. Texans have not run against anyone. <laughs> so what they were doing, that's you know that's really impressive. But I'm glad you brought up that they should have been throwing more because. I wonder if that loss to the Panthers, a game that was, and Bobby mm-hmm. Slowick, uh, their offensive coordinator, deserves all the plaudits that he's getting and going to end up getting. But that game and the game plan they had there, and not using, not using, you know, CJ Stroud the way they should have used CJ Stroud. I wonder if that comes back to bite them. But now, I mean, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. We'll get to that game. You know, them getting absolutely destroyed by the 49ers. We'll get to that later. But they're now only a game behind the Jaguars. They they've already won a game against them. So yeah, this division is is wide open. I don't think I thought that after that Panthers game. After the Panthers game, I was like, all right, so I guess the Jaguars are going to do this. Now this is this is more interesting for the Bengals. If we go over to that side, this is the issue with the Bengals' start. This is the issue when starting out one and three is that this isn't a bad loss for the Bengals. The Texans are good. The Bengals came back in this game and showed a lot to come back and and end up, you know, tying this game and before CJ Stroud had the game winning touchdown. But when you start one and three, you leave yourself zero margin for error and they're in a tough spot. They have the Ravens, Steelers and Jaguars in the next three weeks. They finish with the Chiefs and Browns. This is it's a tough spot here for the Bengals. It's a tough place to be. I think I think we all believe or at least I know I believe that the Bengals are one of the best teams in football, but that doesn't earn you a playoff spot. And so this is going to be interesting to watch down the stretch. Doug. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, an interesting situation for Cincinnati. Cause you mentioned like they started out one and three and a lot of people wrote them off. And then leading into today, like people were talking about Joe Burrow, maybe, you know, the way he's played the last few weeks, this uh, completion percentage is like 75%. Since, you know, that that rough stretch, he'd been playing unbelievable. They won a couple big games before their bye week. And, you know, today, their first half, they offense played well on the first drive. They had a touchdown drive on the opening drive. And then I think they had five straight punts before they finally kicked a field goal, like midway through the third quarter to make it 20 to 10. But this is a team that I think 
was inconsistent to start the season. They kind of put things together and they were, they were better today than I think they were early on, but the margin for error is so thin when you're in a division like they're in right now, where everyone has a winning record. When you are playing in this league, you can't start out one and three. And like the margin for errors is just so thin for them right now that losing a game like this, like I don't think if you're Joe Burry, you necessarily hold your head, even though he threw two interceptions today. But I mean, this is a game that I think when we get to the end of the season and maybe they're on the outside looking in on the playoff picture, this will be kind of what they point to. And I think, you know, we'll get to Browns Ravens here in a second, but this AFC playoff picture, this AFC playoff fight, Curtis, I, it's going to be wild. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, it's one of those years where I wish this is often true in the NBA when the Eastern conference was really bad. And you'd be like, can we just give some, can we just give some of their playoff spots to the Western conference? We're kind of there with the NFC right now where there's, there's going to be a very good, AFC team that is not going to make the playoffs. Maybe multiple because I, you know, the Chargers, they, they lost today to the Lions, but that was a good performance. I think the Chargers are good and have just been messed up by their schedule. This is, it's just, it's a bloodbath in the AFC right now. Yeah. And then if you had a crossover, that team that got in the last spot would actually have a chance to make it through because I think the seventh rated team or eighth rated team could win that division or go to the other conference and win. So, yeah. It, yeah. Like, Tucker was saying you when you start one and three you leave yourself you need to run pure moving forward and then you don't have the T Higgins injury you can't have stuff like that happen if you're going to make it try to make it to the playoffs after starting like that so it's sometimes it's out of your hands after you start one and three and today if they have T Higgins they probably win that game and a healthy Jamar Chase they still probably win the game but they had no T Higgins and Jamar Chase is battling a bad back and now you got the Ravens on deck who they're can we talk about the Ravens and the Steelers having the same record? Is, is that real? Like, it doesn't I, make it doesn't make any sense. Like, it makes it. no sense. The Ravens have lost the three most weird games, and then Kenny Pickett has six six touchdowns this season, and they're they're six and three. Like, and the Bengals are burying themselves behind that team. Like, the, the Steelers are going to beat them somehow. It's it's crazy. And that's the problem is you're in the be- you're also not just that you started one and three, you're also in the best division in football, too. And so it kind of compounds itself. And I don't know if the Steelers are actually any good, but I mean they're winning. They've been outgained in, in no, every game this good. season. Out they've been outgained in every game this season. That suggests to me that you're running uh on the on the extreme good side of variance. Mm-hmm. But you know, wins are wins, they've got them banked in there. And so, yeah, this division, it's just, it's tough. Let's get to that. Let's get to that division. Let's get to the Ravens and Browns. Before we do that, though, I do want to mention that Sharp Football Analysis, we have a ton of content every single week. Curtis will have his waiver wire column up on Tuesday. Rich Rebar has his worksheet game previews, the preview of every single game, every single offensive player that's important in every single game. That's in there. Warren Sharp's giving out his betting recommendations. If you saw me get excited at the end uh, here just a second ago, it's because DK Metcalf went over his total. And that was something that I had bet. And we had big thing that we had given out this week. So DK Metcalf went over. Thank you. Run pure DK. And so all of those betting recommendations, all of that, you can get that at sharpfootballanalysis.com. You use promo code angles, A N G E L S. No, is that angels? A L A N G L E S. There we go. I can spell 
there, if you use that over at sharpfootballanalysis.com, you will get 15% off. So use promo code angles. You can see it in the podcast description, the YouTube description. You don't have to rely on my spelling to get us there. But we move on, staying in the same division here with the Browns and the Ravens. The Browns fight back to beat the Ravens 33 to 31. I it was a absolutely massive game. It is a win that I think the Browns absolutely needed. And it's a bit of a setback for a a Bengals, I mean, excuse me, a Ravens team that I was starting. And now, Curtis, you and I had conversations about this team being the best team in football. And now kind of we're we're back to square one. So what what's your biggest takeaway, Curtis, coming coming out of that game? Uh, the script writers wrote a really good script in that game. That, that was just pure chaos. It, there was nothing but non, nonstop chaos in that game with the interception, and then they missed the extra point to tie it and then come back and win it uh, with a late field goal. So hey, I, I'm still a believer in the Ravens. I Their defense, uh, they had a couple, was it two defensive scores? Weird touchdowns of off-batted passes of Lamar today. And then they did give up, like Jerome Ford actually had a pretty big day rushing the ball. I'm sure they can tidy that up a bit, but I I still think the Ravens are the class of that division and probably one of the top two teams in the conference. I still think that's probably true, but what I'll say, I'm glad you mentioned Ford because we've, we've given Ford grief on this on this podcast. I know Rich Rebar and I have, and this was actually a good game for him. He had been living on long runs. This was actually a good game for him. That, that, you know, that running game working against this Ravens team was really impressive. I don't know how good Deshaun Watson actually was. Tucker looks like he picked up an ankle injury or something. He was in a boot after the game. So we're going to have to look at that and kind of see what's going on there. But I mean, the Browns, this was a this is a massive win for them, a win they needed. They've now beaten the 49ers without Deshaun Watson. They've beaten the Ravens with Deshaun Watson. They are they're certainly making their case that they are they deserve to be talked about among the elite in the AFC. Yeah, and I, I thought after the game, I know they gave up 31 points, but they you know had a defense touchdown there. Is there a unit more impressive in the NFL right now than the Browns defense? It's tough. I mean, like maybe the Jets maybe defense on just because just because of what they're working with on the other side. But like that's, that's the Browns the are working with anything much better, right? Like yeah, with right. what Deshaun Watson. I know he had a good second half today after he came back. Um, but you know, the fact that they won a game with PJ Walker at quarterback earlier in the season, the fact they are still winning with an offense that's not necessarily moving the ball that well. And you see what they did today, where they just clamped down. On Baltimore, it's even that everyone after last week was saying was the best team in the NFL. And you go out and you, you beat them the way you did today. I just, I, I I look at the Browns and it's not impressive, but they keep winning. And I just think their defense right now, what they're able to do, the way they're able to, to force turnovers, which isn't something you can necessarily rely on on a week-to-week basis. But I just think what Jim Schwartz has done with that defense, what Miles Garrett and the rest of those guys have done, I have a hard time you know, picking anybody else who's been more impressive than, 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 than them this season. Can I ask a hypothetical? If Deshaun Watson misses more time, they have to go to DTR, right? Like the PJ Walker experience has to come to an end at some point in time. Tucker, you're not allowed to You're biased. The, the DTR, like the DTR, um, 
converse or the DTR like start against this Ravens team is what led to them moving but on to PJ Walker. So I don't know. Ten minutes notice. I don't even think he knew he was. He, I don't think he woke up and knew he was starting. So if they, if you give DTR a week of practice, it, his ceiling has to be higher than PJ Walker's, right? Why, well, Tucker? Tucker, are you allowed to answer this question? <laughs> no, he's not. No, no, he's well, not allowed. I, to I think we all know what I'm going to say, so I can recuse myself from from this discussion. But yeah, I mean, PJ okay, Walker I'm, played and they won again. Uh, let's change the subject. And yeah, someone did mention three and one. PJ Walker plays this year. I'm just saying. Yes, <laughs> someone mentioned in the chat. What what was with the Keaton Mitchell? He got he had a long touchdown. He had a 34 yard catch and run, and then he had to sit on the bench the rest of the game. That it was pretty surprising. I seemed a little peculiar on that side as well so whoever mentioned that in the he chat had two targets two targets three carries um and he ended up with what 76 yeah. or no 66 yeah. yards two or something those, like that in a touchdown two of those plays went for over 30 yards a piece and, he, and then he doesn't touch the field that, that might have led to part of the problems there too yeah and this from the ravens perspective this game and it was much you know the steelers game was much lower scoring than this game but this game felt similar to the Steelers game and that it felt like they should have been able to pull away in the second half. And to be fair to them, they kind of did. They were up 31-17 with 11 minutes and 34 seconds left in this game. So they had a two-score lead at that point. Uh, no, more than that, a three-score lead, right, at that point. And so they were in they were in decent a decent spot. But, like, the KO never came. There, Zay Flowers had some moments, but Mitchell, we're not getting him involved as much in the second half. It seemed like I've had this issue with this team throughout the year. It seems like sometimes the offense just kind of gets stuck and they don't really have a way to get out of that. And it's a concern because this offense is very good. This team is very good. It's one of the best teams in the league. But you would you would like to see fewer lulls, I think, than kind of what we got. Maybe, I mean, Odell, he only had the one catch, but it was a 40-yard touchdown. Maybe we get him more involved. Rashad Bateman looked healthier this week. And so, you know, things are still fine in Baltimore. But, yeah, why didn't we see Why didn't we see more Mitchell? We did see a ton of injuries in this game, though, on, on kind of both sides of the ball. We mentioned Deshaun Watson, Marlon Humphrey, uh, Ronnie Stanley, Denzel Ward. Any of those stand out to you, Tucker, as, as things we need to really worry about? Yeah, the Ronnie Stanley one's interesting because he missed a lot of time early on in the season with a knee injury. So if this is a, a similar thing, that'd be worrisome. Um, he has a history of ankle injuries, though. Like, he missed, like, almost all of, like, a three-year stretch due to an ankle injury. So the fact that it's a, a knee and moving up his leg, I guess, is a, a bit bit of an improvement that it's not the same thing. But that's something for me if he's not at left tackle for them moving forward. Um, I'm not sure who their backup is right now or, or who came in for him. but when he's healthy, I think he's he's a, a very good left tackle. So I think that might be something that's more long-term than than any of the other ones that we're looking at. You know, Marlon Humphrey has missed some time this year as well. Um, I don't know, Ronnie Stanley's just... Marlon Humphrey one, actually, the Marlon Humphrey one was no contact. And to me, it looked like an Achilles. And so I don't know if we've gotten any news on that. But that one... Yeah, they, uh, Harbaugh didn't have any update after the game on on either guy so that might be something where you're right we might hear tomorrow that he might be might be done for the season and they did add rock yes in at the trade deadlines to, to kind of shore up that position but that's still a drop off there at cornerback but this is something that kind of killed the ravens last year right like they dealt with a ton of injuries last year i think that's why their their team really sputtered 
And obviously they lost Lamar at the end of the season and that kind of kind of doomed them. But I mean, these are two guys now in, in Humphrey and Stanley who have been hurt quite a lot over the last two or three years. Got a couple of questions here in the chat. I want to, I want to take a look at, should I sell Kenneth Walker after a big game? Who could, who could I target need a running back? I actually, the concerns you had about Kenneth Walker before this game was that Zach Charbonnet was getting a lot of the work and playing a lot of snaps. I'd obviously were right after the game. I don't have the snap information, but just from my eye test, I don't know what you saw, Curtis. It seemed like that was less of a concern this week. Kenneth Walker ended up with 19 carries, the six for Zach Charbonnet, and then was involved. You know, he had that 64 yard touchdown catch. I think that the concerns you had about Kenneth Walker, it seems like those are those are less of a concern. Uh, worried about schedule for the playoffs. Okay, that that's a fair worry as well. I just think with Kenneth Walker, you're getting a guy who's getting, you know, if he's right and healthy, which I don't think he had been the two weeks before this, he's he's a good bet for you know 15 to 20 touches. And that is hard to find in the fantasy football landscape. So I wouldn't be looking to sell him, but Curtis, I'm you know, I'm open. What, yeah. do, what do you think? I I love the Kenneth Walker experience as well because at any point in time he can put up 15 points on a single play because you saw it today. He got the 60-yard reception for a touchdown and a, another point for PPR, 13 points in one play. He he can do that any single time he touches the ball. He hasn't been doing it as often, but those big plays are there and come the fantasy playoffs, that's what you want around. So I'm holding on to him, especially with the fact that Zach Charbonnet was not involved to get as much as he was in the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure like Ray said, there there's some more underlying issue that uh, Walker was dealing with that had Charbonnet who hadn't played previously step up his role in the snaps. So I, I I'm going with Walker. And that schedule I hadn't, I didn't right. I didn't know what their schedule was. I'm glad you brought it up, George. Um, their schedule is in the playoffs, the Eagles in week 15. That is a proper, that is a yeah. runaway and hide matchup so that is true okay. but then the titans in week 16 the titans have not been as strong against the run lately so you know we'll see kind of what they look like by that time and then the steelers the steelers have a good defense but uh you're not scared of their run defense for sure and so yeah i don't know how bad that schedule you know actually is the 49ers haven't been you know as good as you would you would want them to be against the run you get them twice yeah i'm not as i'm not as scared of that of that schedule as i would be uh maybe kind of looking at the names that are on it uh, this is from Luca need 12 points, Greg Zerline or da Daniel Carson. Curtis, <laughs> I don't, I don't answer kicker questions. Do you have well, any strong opinions? Point, man. <laughs> so I guess if I'm thinking about it, you have the, the Raiders going up against a tougher defense. Maybe they're less likely to score in the red zone. Uh, maybe, maybe that's where I go with Daniel Carson. I don't know. No, um, I'm going the other way. I don't think the Raiders score any points tonight. How are they going to score? So, yeah, that is a that is a fair point. There, the the Raiders uh, team under might be good. All right, yeah, I agree with Curtis. All right, we're we've gone, we've made our decision. There you go. That that is where we stand. Yeah. I didn't know I'd ever answer a kicker question. So uh, so here we are. I apologize, Jake Seely, for for, uh, for answering mm -hmm. kicker questions. All right, let's move on. We did have a big injury game, unfortunately, the Vikings and Saints. We didn't have a ton of injuries today that are super you know like fantasy impact injuries we did have a lot of defensive injuries unfortunately we've talked about a few of them but the the one game where we had all these injuries was in vikings and saints we had Derek carr leave with a big hit to his shoulder with concussion concerns michael thomas who's just having an absolutely great week 
really great week, Michael Thomas. Uh, he left with he left with a knee injury, and then Alexander Madison on the other side left that game with a concussion. So I guess Tucker, we get started with Derek Carr here and kind of where they are. The Saints are on bye next week. The reports came out that he was hopeful that he was he would be able to play after that bye week. But I mean that that was a rough hit and a pretty quick rule out. Kind of what are you looking at? Yeah, so Dennis Allen said after the game that he was ruled out due to a concussion, not the shoulder injury. Interesting. And usually at this point, uh, since really the the two injury last year, like concussions are almost always a two week injury. You're not coming back the following week after a concussion, which he doesn't have to worry about, right? Because you you have the bye week coming up. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Like this is something that we're not going to really get any update on until next week because of the bye week. So we won't really know where he's at until next Wednesday when the first injury report comes out, but I wouldn't be surprised if next Wednesday, um, you know, heading into their, their week 12 game, we hear limited in practice still in concussion protocol. And he might be, you know, on the fence heading into to Friday or Saturday of next week, but I don't think it's out of the question. Like, I, I'm not really sure um, if they're going to really be cautious, right? Cause he doesn't necessarily have a, a history of concussions. So it's just the, the bye week is, is helpful because he gets the week off. He might not miss any time. But from our standpoint, when you're looking for updates and results, pretty sure it's going to be radio silent in, in New Orleans for the next you know, five or six days. Can we ask Chris? Unless the shoulder injury is? is bad. Like, unless the shoulder injury is bad, and then that's, yeah, that becomes a concern. And yeah, to your point, Curtis, you, were, you said something about Chris Olave. Chris Olave, yeah, he might be more interested Jameis didn't play great. So Jameis didn't play well. He threw two interceptions. But for some reason, Chris Olave is he catches passes from Jameis Winston. And uh yeah, it, things went really well for him there. With the Mike Thomas injury, um, you know, we'll see what that is as well. You know, his foot was planted and he got hit and it kind of it kind of bent awkwardly. And so I don't really know what that injury is. But is there any, are there any kind of fantasy takeaways here? Any players? that you're looking at on the waiver wire if Michael Thomas ends up missing some time. Yeah, preseason DFS player AT Perry, speedster. So now that, how fun how fun would this offense, how fun would this offense be with Jameis, Olave, Rashid Shahid, and AT Perry man. Like we he could still get 30 for 30. He could still put up the 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions even with half the season. Like that you've got two absolute speedsters this guy who loves to chuck the ball just close his eyes and throw it down the field like it, it could be fun to watch so yeah if uh thomas is out or if thomas is dealing with some legal issues in the next little while like I, he definitely needs to be rostered and it definitely opens up shahid to get some more snaps too so it should be a fun offense to watch uh unless uh Derek carr is passing the ball to Taysom hill every pass and i know shahid so shahid is rostered in like the the deeper leagues, the high stakes leagues that that you play in and that I mostly play in, but I would assume in shallower leagues that he's out there in a lot of them. Uh, yeah, in the home leagues, he has to be available. That that's my assumption because it's hard to start him in these deeper leagues on a weekly basis because you you're either getting twenty points or you're getting two points. So I'm, I'm assuming he's available in most home leagues. Yeah, and so if he's available, go and check that out because that'd be interesting. I mean, it's a problem because he is on bye next week and we're not going to get a lot of news. So. Maybe just a name to file and kind of see what mm -hmm. happens. With Alexander Madison left with a concussion, as you were saying earlier, Tucker, concussions 
they tend to be too weak. I mean, we've seen that change. We saw Brock Purdy play, for instance. But I mean, that I don't know if you saw the Madison hit. It it was a rough hit that he took straight to his head. So I'm I'm a little bit worried about him moving forward. What's your what's your kind of thought on that? Yeah, I agree. And you know, running back's a little bit more of a, a physical position than than quarterback. So I think they'll probably take it a little bit, a little bit more cautious with him. And he hasn't necessarily set the world on fire, right? Like they were fine letting Dalvin Cook go and him being the, the top running back. And I mean, Dalvin Cook looks cooked as well. So I don't think they necessarily made the wrong choice. But I mean, I think he's averaging like 3.5 yards per carry this season. Didn't do much better today. Had like eight carries for, for 27 yards. Hasn't been explosive. Hasn't been a guy who's, who's moving the chains quite a bit. Success rate, I think, is like 41 or 42%. So I, I think they're probably maybe interested in just seeing what, what Ty Chandler has going on and yes. maybe just move forward <laughs> with him for the next week or two and let Alexander Madison sit on the bench and, and heal up. Free Ty Chandler movement. It's first it's first mm-hmm. significant uh, win today when he got his touchdown. Not when Alexander Madison got it. We do not celebrate injuries. But Ty Chandler before that got a touchdown. Um, the free Ty Chandler movement mm-hmm. is alive and well here. We had talked about him on this very episode of the podcast last week as a waiver ad. I know, Curtis, you had him in the waiver column last week as well. I'm not sure how many leagues he actually got added in, but at this point, I mean, yeah. he, looks like, he looks like he's going to be a high-priority waiver ad this and week. And I I pr- prioritized him in my own leagues, and he was going for a ton. I, like, I thought I over, like he's a guy I wanted because I knew that A, Madison could go south with, just being inefficient or B, if he gets injured, Ty, Ty Chandler is, he's so explosive. He's fun to watch. And it, I wanted him on almost every team, whether he's on your bench or whatever you want that big playability. And he's going to have a three down role because what else do they have now? They're going to go find miles Gaskin back off the uh, Rams practice squad. It's available. Like, like here, here we go. So it's a uh, Ty Chandler or miles Gaskin. You tell me which one you want handling the ball moving forward so yeah should be a fun week we i think we're gonna get one week with him as a bell cow and should be fun to watch we'll see what he has and oh yeah keeney yeah, uh, our great producer matt yeah he our great producer matt puts in the chat and he was right i was gonna bring up his name too we do have uh kine nawangu who is there as well he ended up with two carries in this game so yeah we'll have to see ty chandler has been played ahead of him this week and was even you know splitting time with Madison a little bit ended up with that touchdown. Like I said, so I think it's Chandler, but yeah, there is, there are the the Wangu is still there. So it's a, it's a very good call out by Matt. Like I said, there were some, there were some defensive injuries. Marshawn Lattimore has an ankle sprain. I mean, he got rolled up on. It didn't look great. They say it's an ankle sprain. We'll see. Trey Hendrickson had a very fluky injury in which uh, Noah Brown was trying to get up to get back to the line of scrimmage. And he kind of like rolled into his knee. I don't know. Did you see that one, Tucker? That one did not look great to me. Yeah, I did see that. It was just awkward. And when someone's as big as Trey Hendrickson and something awkward happens to their knee, you you certainly fear the worst. That's something that I think hopefully we get an update in the next couple of days about. And then we had Quan Alexander who suffered, unfortunately, a torn Achilles. So he is, he's going to be out for the season. So a tough break there for him and for the Steelers defense. The one other injury that we really need to talk about is uh, Taylor Heineke had a hamstring injury, forced him from the game, led to Desmond Ritter getting back into the game. He actually had a rushing touchdown, but the Falcons couldn't hold on. They end up losing to the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray 
in his in his season debut leads a leads a game winning field goal drive and the Cardinals are able to beat the Falcons 25-23. That's obviously a good win for the Cardinals. Uh, we can talk a little bit about Kyler Murray because I think Kyler Murray um, had a good game, especially coming back from that injury. But I mean, I think the headline here from this is with all of the turmoil that has been around the Falcons and Arthur Smith losing to this Cardinals team. I mean, is is this the end, Curtis? Like, are, are we are we gone? Like, is are we about to see Arthur Smith let go? This is this is yeah. a rough situation for him. He's on the phone with Dad right now, getting a jet ride, finding another ride home. He he is not showing up to the the facilities tomorrow. There's no way, right? Right? I can't be the only one that thinks this. There's no way he's showing up to the facilities tomorrow. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, Arthur Blank, I got his name right. The Atlanta the yeah. Atlanta Falcons owner, right? He there was a there was another coach. I think it was Dan Quinn that he was very reluctant to fire in season. And so maybe, maybe that is it. Maybe he's just kind of reluctant to do that. And so, you know, we'll see, but I mean, 70 yards passing against the Cardinals is a, uh, a concern. Let's call it a concern. That is, that is an issue. I will say, I will say Tucker, he did get Bijan involved. So there we go. We got our Bijan big carry game, but even that wasn't really working. I mean, it's, it's tough times in Atlanta right now, Tucker. Yeah, I mean, he had 22 carries. They even had him back returning a punt. Like, they they were trying to get him involved any way they could, and it obviously didn't work. And, you know, when uh, they, they brought in Ritter after the Heineke injury and he led that go-ahead touchdown drive, I thought, well, it wasn't impressive, but I, I think they clearly would rather Ritter take the reins. So maybe this is it, and maybe if they hold on, this can propel him to playing with a bit more confidence moving forward. And now... I don't know. It just seems like them at four and six versus five and five. It's time to tear everything down. It's time to get Arthur Smith out of there and and maybe you know try to find a coach who can really build with all this talent because a lot of the guys flashed. Like Robinson had a touchdown today. Drake London had an unbelievable catch. I think in the the third quarter and the talent I think there is offensively, but they just don't really know how to work it. And they don't have a guy at the range, right? Like they they specifically chose to go into the season. Mm-hmm without a legitimate starting quarterback. And you're seeing it, it's rearing its head right now. And then on the other side of the ball, as someone who started Kyler Murray in fantasy leagues this week due to some bi-week issues, can we let him run his own quarterback sneaks at the goal line? <laughs> like, like, why are we having Clayton Toon come in to vulture? T- I've never had a quarterback TD get vultured by the backup. It's unbelievable. And the flip side is, if Kansas City is afraid to run uh, you know, quarterback teams with Patrick Mahomes, Get his backup in there. Like, like, what are we doing? Our teams are going to start bringing in short yardage quarterbacks for situations like this if we're going to keep allowing teams to run the tush bush and quarterback sneaks? I think that's what happens when the quarterback has to sit on phone books to drive his car. I think it's a hype thing because Bryce Young, did. they did the same thing with uh, Bryce Young in Carolina earlier too. So I, I'm sure it's a Toby hype Reset thing. Toby Brissett did it. Toby Brissett did it for someone was That's it Baker that he was doing it for? Because Philip Rivers wouldn't run. He re- Philip Rivers refused to oh, <laughs> run the. Sneak. Oh, that was Rivers in in New wasn't it? Yeah, in but I'm sure because we saw Young come out for QB sneak, so I'm sure it's a hype thing. Um, what I'll say about yeah, so he lost the he lost the goal line, um, you know, the goal line quarterback sneak, and that I mean he's coming back from injury that you know that that probably had something I'm sure something that's part to do of it. with it, but he. 
you know, from a kind of moving around perspective, which was a concern we had with Kyler coming back from this injury. He didn't, he looked like Kyler Murray. He looks like a guy that could create with his legs. He did end up with a rushing touchdown. You know, it wasn't the best passing game from him, but I, I mean, I was pretty impressed with what we saw from Kyler Murray coming off that long-term injury. Um, You know, Michael Wilson probably should have had a touchdown and you know, the Cardinals aren't going to, you know, make the playoffs. They're not going anywhere this year. This year is about trying to figure out what you have in Kyler Murray and figuring out kind of some of those pieces on the offense that they're, that they're trying to work in there. Michael Wilson, Trey McBride, who also had a good game. And I think if from, from that perspective, this was a, this was a great start for the Cardinals as we kind of finish off the season. I will say one thing, and I'm interested in y'all's opinion on this. They, they purposely did not score a touchdown on two plays in a row at the end of that game, which is 100% the right thing to do if you're tied or if you're winning and want to run out the clock. But they were down by one, and so much can happen with a field goal unit, with a field goal being missed, that it ended up working out they made the field goal. But that's a weird decision to me to to not take the points mm-hmm. in the lead, especially if you're playing against Desmond Ritter. Did that stick out to you either? Do you found that odd? No, you got to do it. I, th- I think you're, it's like the chip shot. Uh, where where were they at? They were, it's like the, they're at the five. Yeah, it's like the old extra points. It's like a 99% play. I think, I think they did the right thing. And you just got to hope that you don't fumble a snap or something crazy happen and all should be good. I like it. Yeah. I, I guess I even just, just like, I guess you look at your other your opponent. If it's CJ Stroud, you you definitely do it. But if it's Desmond Ritter and Art Smith, like who does it even matter? <laughs> you could give them an extra five minutes and they're not getting down. So the next game we have actually I we have a question here in the chat. I want to get this. I want to send this straight to you. The question <sighs> is, is Tony Pollard startable anymore? I'm gonna um, lean back and I'm just gonna let you go. And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna drink some water, have some fun yeah. with this question. Yeah, uh, how about CD Lamb? He had a really good game today. Uh, his, I, I know CD Lamb's pretty startable these days. Like, uh, he, he's got a really good schedule coming up. I I'm trying to find positive in these Tony Pollard teams because uh, he's he doesn't look good. But again, I think I've tweeted it, and Ray is mentioning in our group chat about Rico Dowdle. Rico Dowdle has never taken a run for more than 10 yards. His career high is 10 yards. So Except he's not he had a 21-yarder today. He, he set his career high today. He got oh, a 21-yarder today. When, is that after I turn the game off? After I start tweeting about him, he's good? Son of a gun. Now I'm cursing Tony Pollard myself. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. He does not look good. There's something wrong there. I don't know if he did some weird training in the offseason, but he looks awful. And he's not catching passes. Last year, he at least caught passes, and he, and he didn't even play as many snaps last year. And you you need to utilize him in the passing game, but their the offense goes through CD Lamb now, so it's yeah, it it's tough. I I can't put him on the bench because he's still getting the looks inside the ten when they get there. He just finds a way to stumble short of the goal line every single time, and. The one time he did score a touchdown in the last couple of weeks, <laughs> someone was off there. Someone reported ineligible or something like that. So he's still getting the money touches when they get down there. He's not getting as many as he did at the beginning of the year, but they're still there. The Cowboys are still a good offense. Maybe it just clicks at some point in time. I don't know. He doesn't look good, but I think the touch 
comment is the important thing. And Rich and I talk about this on the Thursday show a lot is in the fantasy landscape we live in. If you have two other top 15 running backs or three other top 15 running backs, Mm -hmm. sure, for sure. I think you're going to have to keep moving Pollard down your rankings. But, and it's a lot like the conversation we had with Kenneth Walker. If you just have a running back who's going to get 15, 20 touches, and he still got 15 touches in this game, they blew it out. They blew out the Giants. And that was something that had been holding him back early in the season is when they got into these very odd game scripts, he kind of just went away. And so he still even got the touches today. But whenever you have a running back getting these touches, it's like that's that's all you can almost hope for. And now we just have to hope for the best that it's going to work out for for Pollard. And so it's... Yeah, it's a it's a tough running back situation in general, which makes the Pollard discussion tough. So it's you know roster by roster, but you know, we'll see. All right, let's move on to a, another fun game we had here in the afternoon slate, and that was a back and forth game between the Chargers and the and the Lions. The Chargers end up losing this game as they always do in one score games. The Lions end up uh, Lions end up with a a late uh, field goal to to take the win. This game was really exciting. When I watched this game, I watched this game like these are two good teams and these are two good quarterbacks that we're watching execute. One of those teams is in a really great position in the NFC and might end up being in the number one seed. The other team uh, might end up missing the playoffs. And so it's kind of a tough situation. But I guess, I mean, we have to get started with, with the Lions. Tucker, I feel like the Lions, they needed this win after what happened to them against the Ravens. Obviously, they had... You know, they had the big win back in week one, but they had been beating up on bad teams. I feel like they needed this win to really say, yeah, we are we are what our record says, and we deserve to kind of be mentioned in the in the in the area with the teams that were being mentioned. Yeah, and I, I think if you look at the Lions, there's still a lot of talk the last couple of weeks about that they should be a, a dark horse option to be the number one seed in, in the NFC. And this honestly looked like their toughest game for maybe the rest of the season or until they play Dallas, um, you know, in, in week 17. I mean, after this, they have Chicago, they have Green Bay, they have Chicago again, they have Denver, they have New Orleans. Like, this game on the road against a Chargers team whose record isn't fantastic, but we know how talented that team is. And for them to just consistently come back, I mean, they don't stop fighting ever. And they're a team historically, and I know thinking about things historically don't often work out, but Historically, the Lions tend to fold in situations like that, where when Justin Herbert tied it up, I think they tied it up two or three times in the fourth quarter. The fact that Jared Goff and that offense just kept coming back and they kept firing haymakers and what Ben Johnson and they decided to do when they went for it on fourth and two, instead of kicking a field goal, mm-hmm. like 90 seconds to go to, to just go ahead and, and, you know, pray the defense could hold up. And instead of doing that, you go out, you, you go for it. And not only that, but you throw it to the tight end up the seam for a, a gain of 20 and, and effectively ice the game and, and let yourselves win it on a game ending field goal. I mean, the lions honestly have been just impressive every week and we can discuss and, and quibble about their schedule, but what we saw today, I think was as press uh, probably the most impressive performance from, from any team we've seen and looking ahead compared to, you know, what the Eagles have on their schedule, they already have a, a game advantage on both the Cowboys and and the the 49ers, the Lions are in a fantastic position moving forward. And they're a team that I don't know if I really want to face them in the postseason because they have a lot of success playing in these close games right now. You know, I was thinking about when I, mean, I was thinking about the Vikings, and you know, we kind of glossed over this a little bit. I wanted to talk about it. The Vikings being, I mean, just an absolutely great win for them, and the Vikings looking like they're 
they're going to make a playoff push. When you look at the Vikings schedule, the Vikings schedule is, is um, very favorable for them. But one of the kind of areas you look at is they get the lions two times in the last three weeks. But then I was thinking about it and I mean, will the Lions have anything to play for in Week 18? They might already be the number no. one seed. You mentioned the Eagles schedule. The Eagles have an absolute bloodbath coming up after their bye week. Uh, they could definitely drop a couple games there. The Lions' schedule does not look tough at all, aside from, like you said, that Dallas game. I mean, we get to Week 18 with the Lions with the number one seed, and it's locked up. That definitely is something something that could happen. And so this is this is definitely, you know, this is a they're in a great situation here. We finally had the team of the offseason, the hype team of the offseason. They're finally succeeding. And so here we are. They they look like they're the real deal. On the other end, I mean, it's pretty clear to me the Chargers are a good team and would have made the playoffs in the NFC. Like that is pretty, pretty clear to me. But the Rave the schedule has killed them. The schedule coming up is easier, but they still have the Ravens, the Bills, and the Chiefs left. I just don't know. They can't win one score games. I mean, I don't. This this might be a bridge too far for this Chargers team. Absolutely, Brandon Staley's defense lets them down yet again on a game game ending drive. Uh, the offense can put up points. That's never been the question. But you've hired a defensive head coach who somehow finds a way to lose every one of these games by giving up points in the fourth quarter. It just uh, I think we've gonna we're gonna have seen the last of Staley as well because. This is a really good football team. This offense, even without all these weapons, this offense still Keenan Allen missing time at will. Yeah. <laughs> they made Jalen Guyton put up touchdowns today. They even got uh, Quentin Johnson a touchdown. That's how good Quentin this Johnson's offense. put a touchdown. <laughs> what a time yeah. to be alive! What yeah. a time to be alive! Yeah, no, Keenan Allen did. We should mention Keenan Allen did miss yeah. time. He came back, but you know. Was that adrenaline? You know, what was going on in the locker room after we went to the locker room? So that is definitely an injury also to pay attention this week and kind of kind of see where we go. Tucker mentioned the the Lions being maybe the most impressive performance of the day. I will have to disagree and say the 49ers and what they did to the Jaguars, especially after that three-game losing streak. They go to the bye. They absolutely need this win to really establish to say, all right, we're back. That was a very odd three games. They came out, they they just crushed the Jaguars, absolutely destroyed them. It was not a game. And it looks like the 49ers that we had through those first five weeks, maybe they maybe they found themselves in the buy and they're they're back to looking like part of the class of of the NFC top. Yeah, they looked like the team we saw the first you know four or five weeks of the, the schedule. And we talked about it last week that we just needed to kind of see them put things together and having the bye week certainly I think helped. Brock Purdy made a couple throw like that first touchdown to Brendan Ayuk. I don't think it's advisable. And he kind of got bailed out by Actually, an unbelievable catch. That's in my notes. That is 100% in my notes is that what we saw from Purdy during the three-game losing streak was that those ill-advised throws turned into turnovers. And he had been running on kind of the positive side of variance for a long time. And then we come back in this game and his first touchdown is another one of those throws. And that might just be the Purdy experience is we're going to have highs and lows based on whether those throws turn into turnovers or not this week it worked and it was a touchdown. So, you know, here we are. They won. Yeah. His turnover worthy plays for turnovers and now they're touchdowns again. And they're all is right in, in San Francisco, but yeah, what we saw from this offense, he was 19 to 26, 296, three touchdowns. McCaffrey ran really well, although he did get a touchdown. Although I didn't really enjoy the whole side quest thing they did at the end where 
even though they're up 34 to three, let's try and do everything we can to get McCaffrey a touchdown. Just felt weird in, in the moment. Um, but I mean, for a team like Jacksonville, we, we talked about it a lot last week, teams like Seattle or, or, you know, other teams that haven't necessarily beaten a great team, even though they had a decent record. I mean, Jacksonville only had two losses. They, them and the chiefs are the only two teams in the AFC with that record. And, I don't know, they just kind of got exposed offensively today. And I know Trevor Lawrence came in with a, an unbelievable pedigree and was the number one pick in the draft. It was viewed as the, the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, where everyone you go back to. And I don't know, this is another big game where he kind of folded. 17 and 29, had two picks, wasn't necessarily impressive. And there were some drop passes, sure. But, I mean, this is a guy who's going to be getting a contract extension soon. It's going to get paid. And I don't really know what Trevor Lawrence is. like. He's not a top quarterback, I don't think. He, he's not a guy that going into a playoff game, if I have him on my side, I'm excited and thinking, well, he can beat anybody on the other side of the field. It's just weird. He just seems like a guy. And for someone who came in with the highest of hopes, you know, three years ago in the NFL, Trevor Lawrence experience just feels odd right now. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I will say with the Jaguars, they have a win over the Bills. And so that that helps them. That they puts do. them in a better situation than you know, someone like the Dolphins who don't have any any win even on that level got blown out by the Bills. And so they do have that win over the Bills. It wasn't London, you know, take take whatever caveats you need. But this loss a is a very though. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, exactly. But this loss is a this loss is a bad, bad look. And I think that bringing up the Trevor Lawrence thing is important because I don't can't think of any time this year that I've really, really been impressed by Trevor Lawrence. The offense just has not been right. They've been carried by Travis Etienne, who's been having a great season. But the passing game, you know, Calvin Ridley, after those first couple games, we've kind of getting hit or miss from him. Christian Kirk has been, you know, has been pretty good. But like, I just, this offense leaves a lot to be desired. Lawrence has left a lot to be desired. And yeah, now they have a big competition with CJ Stroud in this division. And it's, it's going to be interesting to watch kind of down the stretch what we get from this team. Yeah, especially the narratives around these two teams is because you're looking at the Texans and you've got this, oh my goodness, these guys can't be stopped. And they're still a couple games back of the Jaguars and everyone's like doom and gloom on the Jaguars. So it's it's kind of interesting. And I'm going to disagree a little bit with Tucker. I don't think the 49ers look like they did in the first few games. I think the 49, I was always low on the 49ers, but you look at that defense now that they got a little more swagger there. Now this team might be trouble. This team might be a force to be reckoned with when when you add that much more talent on the defensive line and the offense still scores at will. That's what they do. They're just efficient. They just don't play very fast. If they they could probably score fifty every game if they played quick. This this could be trouble. I think this was a a spot where I'm going to move the 49ers up in my my rankings a bit. Now Chase Young, you mentioned Chase Young had two quarterback hits, a half sack. Nick Bosa had two quarterback hits. Javon Hargrave had three quarterback hits. The pressure rate uh, from the eye test, I don't have those numbers yet. The pressure rate looked high. And so, yeah, yeah that, that worked out. That trade worked out. You can't expose our cornerbacks if you don't have time to throw. And that's kind of where they're going with it. And, man, they were good. <laughs> yeah, they, this was a very good game for them. We're, we're running out of time. I do want to mention a couple things real quick. Mac Jones benched again <laughs> for good this time. Like, what are we – like? Unlike the other two times he's been benched this year, this is the third time he's been benched this year. That seems like a problem on its on itself by itself. But we'll we'll skip that for a second. Unlike the other two times he was benched this year, 
this was when the game was still in doubt. They were asking Bailey Zappi to go make a game-winning drive. Tucker, to me, that feels like a big, big deal, especially going into the bye week. Yeah, you don't do that if you have confidence in the kid, right? Like, you don't you don't normally do that when the game is on the line. When you all you need is one drive, and if you're confident in your quarterback, usually even if he's had as bad of a day as Mac Jones, that interception he threw in the red zone may have been the worst pass of the week. You don't. You, I, I just. Rough. It's baffling. It, it's a choice, and I don't think you can go back to him, right? Like I think what we saw today might have been the end of the Mac Jones experience, unless Bill Belichick is doing some weird thing and and he is a genius and he has some greater plan this feels like for the next week they're repping bailey zappy at starting quarterback and mac jones is going to be the number two yeah i i get that opinion too and like i said since we're going into the bye week that gives them a lot of time to make that happen if that's what they want to do what they want to be moving forward and i mean i think the real answer here is that the starting quarterback for the patriots the future starting quarterback for the patriots is not on the roster Right now, I don't. I mean, what we've seen from Bailey Zappi does not fill you with a ton of confidence. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that this is kind of like, all right, we're done with Mac. We're gonna, we're gonna see kind of what the Raiders did last year with Derek Carr. We're gonna see what Bailey Zappi has, but really, we're gonna be, we're gonna be moving on. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an odd situation. One more team I wanted to get to. We kind of mentioned that at the top, uh, Curtis, but the Steelers, they keep winning. Like I said, they've been outgained by every single team they played this year. But they keep winning. They're six and three. They have wins over the Browns and the Ravens. Make it make sense, Curtis. What is yeah. happening here? Yeah, they're just last year's Vikings. They're living on this absolute wild ride of uh, wins that where you don't outplay the opponent and you're just on this crazy variant streak. The defense gets turnovers at the right time. They've had a was it the Browns game where they the defense scored the only touchdown of, and the, yeah, it's. They're starting to run the ball a little bit better, but that's just to keep the ball out of Kenny Pickett's hands. And yeah, it's wild. They're, they have the same record as the Ravens. And I would, it, I just, it doesn't make any sense. They're, they're awful on offense, but they're getting it done. It's just the Mike, the Mike Tomlin thing, man. It's how this team works. Yeah. Anyone bet we on are. Mike Tomlin for coach of the year at any point in time? Right. So he's not a bad a bad shout right now, but I think if the Texans continue on this trajectory, yeah. uh, D'Amico Ryans is, is a shoe in for, for the job, for the award. So that'll be, that'll be fun to watch kind of how that shakes out. The Steelers next week have the Browns. So they have another chance to kind of get another big win. We'll see, we'll see what they're able to do as we move forward here into week 11, Tucker, anything, anything stick out to you, anything you're paying attention to any, any storylines that are interesting to you? Yeah, I mean, that Steelers-Browns game I find interesting because those are two teams that you mentioned before. Their, their previous game was a disaster, and Pittsburgh came out on top. And they're two teams that have the same record. But, you know, when they're in the same division as as the, the Ravens and, and who knows kind of where that whole thing is because I don't think either team has necessarily been super impressive on both sides of the ball. But, I mean, I think the biggest game next week, and we're going to talk about it beforehand, is Eagles-Chiefs on Monday Night Football. I mean, that's two teams who are eight and one, seven and two might not be the most impressive eight and one and seven and two we've seen. I think there are other teams that maybe have passed the eye test a little bit better, but I don't know. I, I think after Eagles Cowboys last week, which I thought was the best game of the year, I thought the, the Chargers Lions game might've been the most entertaining game 
so far this season. I mean, that's that's the next game I think on the schedule that I I have circled and say, well, that that's gonna be where everyone's sitting down and, and get your popcorn ready. Then we got that game on Monday night, and then on Thursday night we have Bengals at Ravens. So after this this dreadful week of primetime games, they're giving us they're giving us some great games on Thursday, great game on Thursday, great game on Monday. We yeah, don't need Vikings, to talk about Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night next week if you're into that. Yeah, we don't need to talk about. We don't need to talk about Sunday night, but yeah, we're actually gonna have some good primetime games next week, Curtis. Like, yay, it's exciting. Yeah, and even this week we were without uh, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the football was actually kind of fun to watch today. I think this was my favorite back, week of baby. the year so far. So we've been complaining about how bad the product has been. I, I had fun watching today, so I look forward to what we've got cooked up next week because we see some good teams in action again. Yeah, this it, the NFL season has certainly turned itself around from kind of the dredge that we were seeing earlier. And so it has been a fun couple weeks, and we hope that continues. If that does continue next week, we'll be here to talk about it on this podcast, the Sharp Angles podcast. So make sure you join us at 7.30 Eastern on YouTube to check that out. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Check out everything we've got going over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Remember, if you use the code ANGLES, you can get 15 percent off any package we offer at sharpfootballanalysis.com and we will be back to talk with you next week.